We're in a two-part series. I introduced it last week. We're continuing this week on the subject, God wins. And I want to remind us in this message that in the final analysis, God's going to win. Some of you feel like you're on the losing side. I want to tell you, if you're on God's side, you're on the winning side. You're on the winning side. And as we move into the political season next year, I want to invite you, don't get caught in the debate and the scare tactics of the commercials and the mudslinging of politicians. Don't get caught in worried about what's going to happen, that if, that if I vote this way, the world's going to collapse or I go this way. Can I tell you, God's in control of this, and God's going to win. And I want to give you a prophetic perspective of our day. We introduced a prophetic timeline to you last week in the message. Allow me to visit it for just a moment. I won't spend a lot of time on it, but I'd like to put it before us. The prophetic timeline that the Bible gives us is going to start, let me just put on the timeline, when Jesus was born, he lived on this earth, he died on the cross to bring salvation to all humanity. Following that, we have what we call the church age. It's found in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. That's what we're part We're the church. Oh, this building is not the church. We are the church, and we're in the church age. At the conclusion of the church age is a, an event that we're looking forward to, and that's known as the rapture of the church. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I taught on that last week. It's a day in which Jesus Christ is going to sound the trumpet. The dead in Christ will rise. We who are alive and remain at that moment, the Bible says we're going to be caught up with the Lord in the clouds to be with him forever. He does not literally come to this earth. He comes and he captures us out and we literally leave this earth. Following the rapture of the church is what's known in Scripture as the Great Tribulation. A seven-year period of time, Daniel calls it Jacob's trouble. A time in which God's prophetic plan concerning the nation of Israel, I'll unpack that in just a moment, will be fulfilled. In the middle of the tribulation or somewhere through there, there will emerge a person known as the Antichrist. The Antichrist will establish a one-world government and a one-world economy. He will require people to take upon them what's known as the mark of the beast in Revelation chapter number 13. At the conclusion of the great tribulation is a cataclysmic event. The Bible calls it Armageddon. Another word for Armageddon is World War III. And there will be mass and utter destruction upon this earth. At that particular time, is the return of Jesus. The rapture of the church, Jesus does not come to this earth. We're caught out of this earth to be with the Lord who are Christ followers. But at the second coming, Jesus will actually put his foot upon this earth, establish his kingdom. We will go into the millennial reign of Christ and then the end of time. Now with that, I want to share with you today signs of the second coming, signs that we're living in the last days. And I want to suggest to us in this message, as I'll be covering the material very quickly, I want to suggest to us that the, the, the prophecies that were written 
and the signs that are given to us in Scripture could only be fulfilled in the 21st century. They were given centuries ago, some millennials ago, but they could only be fulfilled in this time in 21st century, and you'll see that in a moment. In Matthew chapter 24, verse number 3, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. They're going to ask Jesus three questions, verse 3. And Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Three questions. I want you to notice question number two and three. When is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The disciples instinctively understood there was a separation between his coming and the end of the age. Jesus in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 begins to answer those questions. And he begins to give us signs of the end of the age. And I want to share them with you to remind us and to point out to us we're living in prophetic times in the 21st century. The first sign is the formation of the nation of Israel. We now have a nation of Israel and a homeland there in the Holy Land. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is going to say, you need to understand the sign of the fig tree. The fig tree there is Israel. When the fig tree blossoms and puts forth its fruit, you know that summer is nigh. What is Jesus saying? He said when Israel has a homeland. And at that particular time, there was no nation of Israel. They were occupied by Rome, but he prophesied there'll be a day this land will be God's people, the Jewish people, and it will be their nation. He said, when you see that, you know you're moving into the end of the age. That happened in May 14, 1948. The nation of Israel was established, ushering us into what is known as the last days. From time to time, you may hear it reported. You may not have heard, but you can, you can research the information. There is what's known as the doomsday clock. You, from time to time, you may hear a news report that the, the bulletin of atomic scientists get together and they look at world events and they establish a clock, how close we are to cataclysmic destruction, man-made destruction of planet Earth. It was established, interesting enough, in 1947. One year before the founding of the nation of Israel. 47, the doomsday clock was established. 48, Israel became a nation. By the way, January of this year, they set the clock at two minutes to midnight. Never in all the time since 1947 have they said, have we been closer to world destruction cataclysmic destruction of planet earth by human beings and the threat of war than we are today. Sign number two we're living in the last days is the existence of weapons of mass destruction. Jesus will prophesy in scripture about a time of wars and rumors of war. But at the time in which the Bible was written, I remind us, gunpowder had not been invented. 
There was no such thing as a grenade, a missile, or nuclear technology. The weapons of that particular time were swords, were spears, and arrows. From time to time, there was the use of a chariot or perhaps a catapult hurling a stone at a building. It was very medieval technology, warfare technology. But yet, in Scripture, they wrote and the prophets wrote of a time of mass and utter destruction that was not even thinkable was not even possible at the time they wrote it. They described events that accurately portray nuclear warfare in a time they didn't even have gunpowder, that their means of fighting a war was swords and spears. Second Peter chapter number 3, verse number 10 says, There will become a time in which there will be a roar in the sky, and the sky will part and everything will be destroyed by fire that has been made by man. Peter said there's going to come a day there will be a weapon that will able to decimate and lay bare the landscape and cities wiped off of planet Earth. Zechariah the prophet in Zechariah chapter 14 begins to describe a day. He said in the middle of the night, the sky will light up. He said there will be a flash And then all of a sudden, people's flesh will fall off of their body. Their eye sockets, their eyes will melt in their eye socket. And mass destruction of thousands and millions of human beings will occur in just a moment. Verse number 13 of that chapter, he says, And on that day, people will be stricken with a great panic. They will seize each other by the hand and attack one another. Literally, the hunger games will take place because there will be mass destruction. The water systems will be destroyed. Vegetation and the ability to feed planet Earth will be wiped out, and people will be fighting and scrounging for just a scrap or a morsel of food. Sign number three, we're living in the last day, is worldwide communication in real time. Jesus described in Matthew chapter 24. He said there will be a time that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world. He said then the end's going to come. When is the time that you could communicate and preach the gospel to the entire world? Technology, the internet, satellite technology allows it to happen. Do you know something can happen right now, go viral, and can be seen around the world simultaneously? We have that technology. When Jesus prophesied this, that time of technology did not even exist at that particular time. But we understand the whole concept of internet and satellite TV, watching it on a handheld device or a television or etc. Sign number four, a world economy and the ability to unify commerce and replace currency. That's already happening. Right now, there is the exchange of currencies with the falling of the Berlin Wall in 1989. And all of a sudden, the East and the West begin to unify the exchange of currencies. Now there is a world economy. There's a few of us that still carry a little bit of currency in our pocket, but probably most of the time you bank electronically, you transfer uh, money electronic, 
electronically. There's no longer the movement of cash from one bank to another. They wire it. It's all electronic currency. And there's discussion right now across the world to replace currency and in order to guard one's uh, uh, information and identity to go to a system where there is not cash, where there is an identification system that each person will have and it cannot be hacked and it, can, and it cannot be destroyed. They are building the software and the technology and the idea for the Antichrist right now and it's explained to us in Revelation chapter 13. Sign number five is climate change. Hardly a month goes by, you don't hear a discussion from a politician, a news article, or a scientist about climate change. And there are people on all kinds of spectrum. Some people believe in it. Some people don't accept it. But do you know the Bible says there will be climate change? In fact, it's one of the signs of the end of time. The Scripture says in the last days, God said, I'm going to change days and seasons. It'll be winter when it should be summer, and it'll be summer where it should be winter. There will be a place where it normally is, is, is very dry and arid, and all of a sudden floods will come, and a place that should be fertile will become a desert land. It'll be winter and summer, and seasons will be mixed up. Jesus said that there will be a shaking and a changing of the ecosystem of the world. Why? God's showing us it's a sign pointing to the end of the age. In Luke chapter 21, verse 25, Jesus said this, I'm going to show you a sign of the end of the age. And you'll see the sign in the sun, the stars, and the moon. The earth will begin to anguish in perplexity as the sea begins to roar and rage, tsunamis coming in and wiping out sea line communities, that the ice caps will begin to melt and the sea level will begin to rise and communities that were built along the seashore will be overwhelmed and will be engulfed by the sea itself. Climate change is prophesied in Scripture as an indication that we're living in the last days. Sign number six, and that is disease and epidemics. Revelation talks about that there would be a mutation of diseases that would even jump out of the animal kingdom, infect human beings, and there will be no vaccination for that. That there will be diseases that were not, not even in existence before will become rapid in the world. Sign number seven, the rise of extreme Islamic fundamentalism. When, when Scripture and the book of Daniel prophesied this, he, Daniel, prophesied the rise of extreme Islamic fundamentalism 800 years before Islam was established. It came to our country in 9-11 in New York City in which the Twin Towers were attacked by terrorists. And now it's a part of our conversation in homeland security. It is how the world operates today. Do you know that is a sign of the end of the day? In Daniel chapter 11, verse number 40, it begins in verse number 40. It says, and in the last days... Israel will be engulfed and surrounded. 
He said the beautiful land will be threatened by an enemy, a king from the north and a king from the south. What does that speak of? A king from the north? The king from the north? Russia. Do you know right now that particular prophecy is being fulfilled in real time today? We recently pulled our troops out of, out of Syria. We recently pulled our troops back. Who came in? Turkey has partnered with Russia. There are now Russian troops along the Turkey-Syria border fulfilling this prophecy. The king from the north would come down and occupy and be a threat to the nation of Israel. He said from the south. In fact, it actually lists the nations of Libya, Egypt, the Horn of Africa, moving into Saudi Arabia. They would surround and they would threaten. He said it would be a people that would invade many countries. Surrounding Israel in the Holy Land is the Islamic nations. And Islamic fundamentalism, particularly led by Iran, is committed to the utter destruction of the nation of Israel. And God sees it, and God is calculating it, prophesied 800 years before Islam was even established. God says it's a sign we're living in the last days. Let me move on to number eight, and it partners with this, anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism has become popular, has been popular throughout the centuries of time. Hatred of the Jews and the nation of Israel. We're warring with it in the United States. There has been a resurgence of anti-Semitism in the United States attacking Jewish synagogues. That is a whole product of World War II, the Jewish Holocaust. Six million Jews that were murdered in World War II by a demonic-possessed man by the name of Adolf Hitler whose intent was to annihilate and destroy the nation of Israel. Six million people who were murdered for one reason, they were born. Just because they were Jews, genocide happened in World War II. Where does anti-Semitism come from? The Bible explains it to us. They're going to bring the verses up on the screen, and I'm going to walk through this with you, and I'm going to share with you and show you in Scripture where anti-Semitism comes from and where the United States is found in biblical prophecy. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The woman here in the text is Israel. So when we read the text, anywhere you see woman, thank Israel. It says, a a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman, Israel, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head, the 12 tribes of Israel. She was pregnant and cried out in pain and was about to give birth. Who was she about to give birth to? The Messiah, Jesus. Jesus was Jewish. He was of the lineage of King David. The woman is going to give birth to a man-child. Jesus, the Savior, the Redeemer of humanity. Verse number 4 and 5. The dragon stood in front of the woman that was about to give birth so that 
it might devour the child the moment he was born. That is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, the moment the child was born. Herod, inspired by Satan, destroyed, murdered the children of Bethlehem ages 2 and under to slaughter and to wipe off planet earth the child that the woman had given birth to. Verse number 5, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who would rule the nations with an iron scepter. Why, do, why does the world hate the Jews? Because out of the Jewish nation came a Savior. Hell hates Israel because Israel gave us Jesus. Verse number 13 and following. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. There's anti-Semitism. The dragon came to earth and he has pursued, tormented, persecuted, and hated Israel from that time. The woman, verse number 14, was given the two wings of a great eagle. Pause. Who is Israel's greatest ally? The United States. There is the United States in biblical prophecy in the book of Revelation. Who stood by Israel at the birth of her nation and a war of independence? Who stood by her in the Six-Day War? Who stood by her when Israel time and again has been threatened? Who is the supplier? Who is the ally that will always unflinchingly stand by the nation of Israel? It is the American eagle. This woman has found a refuge and the two wings of a great eagle in the United States. Let's continue reading verse number 14. So that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half a time out of the serpent's reach. What does that mean? Here's what it means. The United States will be an ally to Israel until the middle of the great tribulation. And the middle of the great tribulation, the Antichrist, who's going to consolidate world economies and going to consolidate and promise world peace, will get all of the Islamic nations and other nations of the world to finally agree to a peace treaty if Israel will be left out of it and the United States will no longer be her ally. If the United States would defect from its support of Israel in the middle of the Great Tribulation, the Bible says the United States will do that in order to achieve and sustain its economic influence for the almighty dollar in the middle of the Great Tribulation, that eagle is going to fly away and leave Israel alone for the second half of the Great Tribulation. Let's continue. Sign number nine that we're living in the last day is the repudiation of Judeo-Christian ethics. We're living in a day now, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you say you believe in the Bible, you hold traditional values as marriage is between one man and one woman. You are scoffed at. If you say that, you will be attacked on social media. You will be laughed at if you in the workplace talk about Jesus, if you celebrate 
your biblical values, HR will tell you that that is not permitted in the workplace. And people can have gender identity and choose whatever they want. In the school system, there can be a complete repudiation of Judeo-Christian values. That everything we believed in that has been the foundation of our faith in the United States will be repudiated. And we are living in that day today. It is a sign of the soon coming of Jesus. Number 10, there will be a spiritual defection and a departure from the faith. Jesus will tell us in Matthew 24, he said in the last days, he said you're going to see an increase of wickedness. There will be people that will be an increase. And sure enough, look on the internet. There is everything. I'm, it, 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 it is frightening what's out there. What, what can entrap and enslave. And if you're a parent and you have kids with a device, parents, please exercise discretion with your children as far as their exposure to the Internet. There's a reason the Internet is called the web, the worldwide web. You need to be careful in exercising discretion in that area. And the Bible says there will be an increase of wickedness at the same time. In the American church, there will be the love of God will wane low. As the world gets worse, the church will demand a softer, watered-down gospel People will say, if you preach the, the, you preach the truth, if you preach sobriety and you don't allow us to go out to the clubs on Friday nights, we'll just get another church. If you won't embrace our values and sexual identity is a choice and God allows it and God just loves everybody and anybody can do whatever they want, we can find another church that people will no longer tithe because it's honoring God. It's a payment to hear what I want to hear. And if I don't hear what I want to hear, I'll take my presence and I'll take my money and I'll pay somebody to tell me what I want to hear. That's the American church we live in today. We are seeing a defection and a walking away of spiritual fervency. The largest group in America right now is called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. What is the nuns? It's the largest category in America. It's when people say, what is your religious preference? They say, none. There are more nuns in the United States today than there are people who associate with a church or religious affiliation, there is a defection of the faith. And number 11 and last sign that I'll share with you that we're living in the last days is a geopolitical realignment of the Middle East. A geopolitical realignment of the Middle East. When, when this was written by John in Revelation chapter 16, which is in 95 A.D., Two of the nations I'm going to mention, people groups I'm going to mention, were not even existence. One nation he's going to mention did not come into place until the 17th century A.D. And one did not come into place until the 7th century A.D. But in 95 A.D., with accuracy, with accuracy, he describes a geopolitical realignment in the Middle East that matches our map and the geopolitical landscape we have in the world today. 
It's found in Revelation chapter number 16, and I'm going to read the verses will come up on the screen. He said, Then the sixth angel poured out his bow on the great rivers Euphrates. Where is the rivers Euphrates? It's in, it's in Iraq. Has Iraq been in your news in the last couple decades? Absolutely. He said, Something's going to happen in Iraq, and its waters will be dried up, prepared the way for the kings of the east. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They weren't frogs. They weren't frogs. They looked like frogs. I'll explain that to you in a minute. That came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirit demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole earth to gather them for the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I will come like a thief in the light. Blessed he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go out naked and shameful and be shamefully exposed then they gathered the kings together to a place which in the hebrew is called armageddon the last battle world war three here it is john in 95 a.d is going to describe a geopolitical landscape that is in our world today probably one of the most significant signs that we're living in the last days john through the eye of prophecy looks forward he describes in 21st century language, but he describes 20, the 21st century. He did not have 21st century vocabulary, vernacular, and he says, I'm going to describe it, it looks like, and he begins to describe things. He, he saw things that he had never seen in his, in his life before. God showed him, as it were, on a high-definition screen. And I'm going to ask them to bring the pictures behind me. The first thing he said, I saw a dragon. And the dragon opened its mouth. And outside of the mouth of the dragon came these creatures. He saw a C-5 military transport as it was landing on an airstrip. And the military hardware was pouring out, getting ready for the great battle that's going to take place. But John had never seen anything before other than a bird in the sky. And he said, I saw something, and this was not a bird. The only thing I can tell you it looked like flying. It was a dragon, but this dragon opens its mouth, and these creatures come out of it. He said, then all of a sudden, I saw what looked like frogs, if they'll advance it to the next screen. He had never seen uh soldiers in military fatigues and hardware carrying. He saw it with his eye, but he had never seen anything like that before. And he says, it looks like a frog to me, but it's not a frog. I can't really place it. I, I'm just going to tell you what it looks like to me. And then he begins to say, the nation of Israel is going to be surrounded by kings from the east. What are these kings from the east? The first one he identifies in this thing. But first, before that, let me bring up the map of the Middle East for you. I'm going to ask them to put on the screen behind me a map of the Middle East. I want you to just to see this. I want you just to study it for a moment. And now I'm going to ask them to put the nation of Israel on this map. I want you to see the little speck of land called Israel. In all of that hemisphere, in all of that land, a little speck of land 
that's about 200 miles long and seven miles wide at its narrowest spot has been a place and has been the object of persecution, hate, and division in our world. Why? Because the dragon hates that place. Why? Because it was in that land that woman gave us a child and it was in that land he died upon a cross and he offered salvation and forgiveness to all humanity. But in the last battle, he said, I see, as it were, a dragon that was coming against Israel. And they're going to put that up there. You know who the dragon is, of course. The dragon is China. Then he said, I also saw a beast or a bear come against Israel. Who is that? We have seen the resurgence of the Russian bear. Putin has bragged that he is going to bring forth a new generation of weapons that can fire a missile that can go under the sea, come up, not be detected by satellite technology or radar, and strike and annihilate cities, countries, and lands. That's what he's bragging about right now, and he's flexing that muscle. And then he said, I saw a false prophet. Who's the false prophet? It's all the nations of Islam. I'm going to ask them to put on the, on the map all the Islamic nations surrounding Israel. And here it is in Revelation chapter 16. John, before the nation, 1,700 years before Russia was even a nation, uh, at 600 years before Islam is established, he said, I see the nation of Israel. And a dragon, a beast, and a false prophet are going to surround it and come to battle against this one nation. That is the geopolitical landscape and map of our world today, accurately fulfilling Revelation chapter 16. What does that tell us? We're living in the last days. We're in the wrap-up in God's program is about to be finalized. But I want you to know this, God's going to win. God's going to win. What does the Bible tell us is going to happen? When all of these nations come against Israel and her eagle has flown away and left her alone, she's going to stand with no one by her when she's encompassed about from every side. That's the language of the Bible. Look at the map encompassed about from every side and she's going to cry out to God and the Bible says Jesus is going to come and this time he's going to put his foot upon the Mount of Olives. He's going to come. Revelation chapter 20, chapter 19 tells me he's going to be riding a white horse. He's going to come back to this earth riding a white horse and all the armies and the saints of God are going to be coming with him. We're going to be in that host coming back from heaven. We will have already been caught up together with the Lord in the cloud, but we're going to come back and the white horse rider will bring an end to all the destruction and the misery and the hatred towards Israel. And God's program will be wiped out, will be, will be finished, and his enemies will be wiped out. The assemblies of God, the assemblies of God have a chaplain to racehorse community. I did not know that. I discovered that. I actually talked to an assemblies of God chaplain who goes to the racetrack and travels 
around the world from racetrack to racetrack and so forth. And he is a chaplain to that community. I never knew that. I was having a conversation with him one day. And I just facetiously said, okay, chaplain, you follow the horse races. Do you have any suggestions? Do you have any hints on which horse to bet on? And without stopping, here's what he told me. He said, always bet on the white horse in the last race. That one's going to win. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know exactly what he saw. Always put your confidence in the white horse rider. He's going to win when it's all said and done. And here's what the Scripture tells us. Here's, here's what we're going to be saying. Here's, here's what the redeemed of God are going to be saying. Here's our final verdict in life. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 1. And I heard the sound like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. I want you to know, this thing ends in a hallelujah. This thing's going to end in a hallelujah. God's going to win. God's in charge. Regardless of what Iran says, God's going to win. Regardless of the East and the West, regardless of the political landscape, regardless of who wins the election, God's going to win in the end. And if you're on God's side, you're on the winning side. You're on the winning side.